in a world of opportunity. There are certain individuals who take the leap into uncharted waters. The brave souls who go beyond the status quo and challenge old school ways of thinking. They are the entrepreneurs. Join your host, Reggie B, each week as he uncovers stories of perseverance, new perspectives, and the secrets of success through candid conversation with those who struck out on their own and survived. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, Reggie B. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Hey You, Get a Real Fucking Job. I am Reggie B, and I know you're not going to want to miss a minute of this. So make sure you subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is you're listening. Okay, enough of the small talk. Let's get on with the show. Hey, legends, welcome back to another episode of Hey You, Get a Real Fucking Job. I am Reggie B. I am your host, and we have another amazing guest on the show today. Jen Gutfried is from Calgary, Alberta, and she is the owner of a six-figure female entrepreneur. Jen is a mindset coach, a business strategist, and a clinical hypnotherapist. She also has degrees in psychology and business with a major in finance. Now, Jen is on a personal mission to change the statistic that only 12% of female entrepreneurs make six figures in their business. Jen, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hey, we're glad to have you. Um, now, usually the way I start my show is, you know what, I, I ask a little bit about your background, get to know you, but I think, you know, we want to start on that st statistic because... That seems like, you know, that's a pretty low number overall of, of entrepreneurs who are making six figures. And I know there's really not that many who do, um, if, you know, truth be known. But for only 12% of, of females to be making that, um, I think we should dive into that and kind of find out, you know, what's the reason behind that? Is it, is it because, you know, society hasn't accepted females in an entrepreneur role is it because it's still kind of a male dominated thing is it because females are maybe struggling with with mindset and, and self-doubt and, and you know maybe it's all all of the above plus some so but i want to hear from you what have you found um seems to be you know standing behind that that uh, statistic yeah so like you're saying those are all things that contribute to why women aren't as successful as men. And it's been like that for hundreds of years. And right. that's part of the reason is as women, it's really only been in the last 50, 60 years that we've had that opportunity to be able to build businesses, have financial freedom, even make as much as a man. And even some people you still talk to today still say that that wage gap is still there. Some people say it isn't. Some people say it is. And right. So there's a lot that goes into that statistic. One of them is that inequality that's been there. But a big part of that is women's own belief systems, which come from these generations of inequality, right. from the programs, um, things we've been told, and not just as being a woman, but just any programs that we've been given. Because as people, who we become is a part of who we were as a child, our upbringings. Absolutely 
um, mold us into who we are. So if we grow up like myself in a household where women are seen as moms and to take care of children, they don't work, they don't make their own income. Your job is to take care of babies, take care of your husband. That is it. So women like me see this growing up and not that we want this consciously, but subconsciously where our programs are created, this is what we see. And what we're told is this is what your life is going to look like. When your family is always saying, oh, a woman's job is in the kitchen. A woman's job is to raise babies. Don't worry about making money. Don't worry about having a business. So of course that gets programmed into us. Mm -hmm. So even if we want to later on have a business, our mind is telling us this isn't available to you. You can't do this. Be lucky you have a job. Be lucky if you have a well-paying job. Right. And so there's all these belief systems going on in that. So a lot of women, when they start a business, most women, it's, you know what, a little play money, a little extra, help out right. my husband, right. help us pay the bills. They don't see it and go into a business going, I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to make multiple six figures. It's, oh, if I can make an extra thousand or two thousand, that's going to help out my family. Mm -hmm. Whereas men, they go into it and go, if I'm going to start a business, I'm going to be as profitable as possible. I'm going to make as much money as possible. I'm going to do everything it takes to make this happen and have the prestige, have the wealth, have all those things. So the priorities and the thought processes and even the motivation behind it is so different. So a lot of women, there's so many female entrepreneurs, they're just not always as successful as a man is. Right. And, and like you said, a lot of that does come from our programming. Um, you know, and, and do you find that it's an older generation? Because I think maybe with the younger generation, we're starting to see, you know, the, they are a little more, for lack of a better term, I guess, educated on the fact that, yes, you know, women can can be as successful as men um so i don't know and you'll know better than i but does it seem to be maybe a certain age of females that still have that programming where they grew up in that and you find maybe a younger generation is a little more um forth forthgoing with chasing entrepreneurship I think it's a little bit of both. So yeah, it is an age thing. So for the older generation where most of us, the mom did stay home and look after us and it was a one income household, for sure, we're seeing that. But I think even some of the younger generation, because it's not just the fact that um, mom worked or didn't work or we had one income or we didn't or mom was motivated and had a job. Like none of that's part of it. But the other part is a big piece around is it available to us? So even if a woman had a mom who was successful, who had all those things, it's a really big part about her self-belief in herself. So if something in her household happened that made her not believe in herself, feel like she was worthy, deserving, um, a lot of women grow up in households where you only get praise, you only get attention, you only get accolades for doing something. <clears throat> right. So whether that's being good at school, being an athlete, doing things around the house, being exceptional at something, you learn that's the only way you get appreciation. That's the only way you show love because unfortunately people are screwed up and not everybody knows how to parent properly or we make mistakes. All parents make mistakes and even little mistakes can have big ripple effects on children later into their life, which can affect their business. So myself, I created a belief at a very young age, like literally days old, that I wasn't good enough and I wasn't worthy of good things. 
So when I started my first business, I didn't allow myself to have success because if I allowed myself to have success, that means I was worthy of something good. And my mind didn't believed I wasn't. So I would self-sabotage to keep myself in that comfort zone of who am I? So I had to change my belief system in order to allow myself to be successful, to be worthy of those larger amounts of money, whether that was in corporate or in a business, it was in all aspects of my life. And a lot of women have those kind of beliefs, whereas men don't. So there's a statistic in corporate from back in the day, mm -hmm. and I think it's still relatively um, true. So in the corporate world, if a man um, sees a, a new job within his company, it's a promotion. Even if he's only 10, 15, 20% qualified, he is going to apply and be like, I'm just going to throw my name out there. I'm going to try and get this job. You know what? If I don't, I don't, whatever. Mm -hmm. A woman has to feel like she is 110% qualified in order to apply for that same job. Right. So that's where those differences are. And it, it translates into the business world as well. So as women, we just have these different belief systems that hold us back from actually going after what we desire and having those big achievements. Right. And one thing with that that I've learned recently is, um, you know, with anybody, and we can put it towards females, but that's where that imposter syndrome kicks in. It's because, you know what? Everybody tells me I'm good at it, but I don't believe I'm good at it. So therefore, I'm not going to go forward with it. And you mentioned about how in, you know, the home, the way you only seem to get love is if you do something good. But I've also seen that in, in and I think society is guilty of this, uh, you know, in, in the corporate world or, you know, the manufacturing world, anything like that, where the only time we really seem to get noticed is when we screw up. Right. We don't get praise and, and because we're not used to that. So, so as leaders, as managers, whatever it is, we're not programmed to give praise because we didn't receive that praise. So now the only way we're used to getting anything is if we screw up. And, you know, it, if, you know, the young girls are hearing that at an early age and it affects them, you know, maybe more than guys. And I, I don't know, you would know better than I do, do with the psychology behind that. But um, then, yeah, I can see where it's tough as you're going up to to make those jumps, even if you are the most qualified for it. Yeah, it's just because um, it's just because our belief system, 95% of girls have the belief that they're not enough. And this is from our programmings. Look at the magazines out there. Look at the models. Like right. yep. these women are so unhealthy, unnormal. Like right. I know they're working on changing that in the modeling industry and they're removing those extremely tiny models. But the thing is, is young girls grow up seeing that as normal and right. then talk about how attractive that is, how great that is. So as women at a very young age, as children, we're being programmed that you're never going to look like that. So if you don't look like that, this is the division of perfection and you're nowhere near perfection. And so everything that negatively happens in our life, because the thing is with our brain, once our brain locks onto a belief system, once we create a limiting belief, once we create some sort of belief system in our subconscious, our brain's job then is to prove us right, whether that's a, a belief mm -hmm. we want or not. <clears throat> so with me at the young age of you're not good enough, my mind's job then is to keep proving that to me. There's all right. this other evidence out there that says that's not true. 
But my mind is always going to lock on the proof that says it is because that's its job. And our job also is to keep us safe. So by keeping me playing small, by keeping me playing safe, I'm not stepping out of my comfort zone. I am safe. It's okay. Whereas new, different, scary, those are all things the brain does not like. So like taking a new promotion. Well, what happens? What if we have to spend more time away from our family? What if we're not good enough? What if people are mad at us? Because women as women, we value relationships. Mm -hmm. What if people don't respect me anymore? What if people are mad at me? What if, what if, what if, what if? Whereas men, it's more about they're very motivated and driven by achievements and goals and all of those things. And a lot of those negative beliefs, yes, men have their own sets of limiting beliefs and programs, but they're usually the opposite. It's, I have to prove myself. I have to do more. And they more or less sometimes push themselves too much and too hard and go after things they don't want in order to prove themselves as worthy. Whereas women hold themselves back because as women, it's like, well, you're supposed to be the nurturer. You're supposed to be the caregiver. So if you're being super successful and wealthy and traveling and doing all those things, that changes that identity, which you're safe with. Right. Okay. And, and you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, about, um, you know, how they're trying to change the, the, the modeling world and stuff like that. But I think you look at everything around us. Let, let's take clothing, for example. And this is something that's always blew my mind. And, and, you know, more so, I think, with women than men. But you look at, uh, you know, a, a guy goes into to buy a shirt and it says it's extra large. And you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, I'm nowhere near extra large, but the shirt is telling me I am. Or, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, women's sizes, but, you know, maybe a size six, which to me is a single digit. But, you know, for some people, they think, oh, no, that that's not the right size that I need to be. I got to be, you know, a four or less or whatever. So, so I think there's a lot of different places in society that, you know, gives us those values, um, negative, you know, more so than positive. And, and that's unfortunate. Um, so I know you're a firm believer that business strategy is not a one size fits all and that mindset is a large part in achieving success. And I know you're a mindset coach and, you know, it, it probably comes a lot. Your psychology, I'm sure, plays a lot into that. Can you can you talk about that statement and, and let me know um, a little bit on that? Yeah, I'd love to. So I think of business like a house. So you can think of the house as like your business strategy, all those things, but then you've got to have that solid foundation and that's your mindset. So we all know what a house would be like if there was no sort of foundation. If you literally just took a house and plopped it onto the dirt, it's kind of shaky. It's going to move. It's not stable. Right. So that mindset part is those foundational things you need. So dealing with imposter syndrome, dealing with those feelings of being worthy and every single one of us, men, women, everybody has what we call a glass ceiling. And it's this internal belief system of the amount of money we are currently aligned to be able to make. It's that belief system in our mind of I'm worth, you know what, $50,000, $75,000, $100,000. And we all have that set point. And that's something that even multimillionaires get, but they know how to work through it quicker. So the big difference is newer entrepreneurs 
that's when you have all the big belief systems come out because you're trying something new. You're stepping out of your comfort zone. So all those big limiting beliefs start popping up. They start pulling you in different directions. Like procrastination is one of the biggest signs that you have a limiting belief because if you're procrastinating, it's your mind's way of keeping you safe because Mm -hmm. something's scary, something's new. So it's easier to procrastinate. And a lot of times it's a fear of success. And everyone laughs and goes, well, no, I'm afraid of failure. And it's like, no, the mind is familiar with failure. You just go back to the way things were, but the mind doesn't understand success. We don't know what that looks like. That could be new and scary and bring bad things. What if we destroy relationships? What if we lose it? What if this happens? What if that happens? So the mind keeps us safe. So if we want to have a strong foundation, a house that's going to last us 50 years, 100 years, that's going to be super successful, have that business that's going to be what we want it to be, we have to build that mindset foundation that allows us to actually do the strategy. Because if we have limiting beliefs, we don't actually implement the strategies we're supposed to. We don't actually do the things we're supposed to. We mm-hmm. hold ourselves back. So then once you have that solid foundation, that's when you can start working with the strategy. And to me, they go hand in hand and it just keeps growing. So you're going to be working on the strategy for a while and then a mindset issue is going to come up. So you're going to work on that. And then the next step is the strategy is going to be easy again. And then you're going to hit up against that mindset block. So mindset is something that you are going to work on for the rest of your life. It's not a one and done. Some people, oh, I just got to do the work now and I'll be good. Right. No, it gets easier. The start, like that's the thing a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is at the start, the mindset work can be tough. It can be hard. You're digging into years, like depending on how old you are, you've got your whole lifetime of belief systems that you got to unravel and reprogram and to be able to build up this business system. And that's where it ties then into the one size fits all. We're not all one size fits all. We don't all have the same belief systems, the same strengths, the same limiting beliefs, any of those things. So saying that this this specific strategy fits everybody doesn't work. You need to take your specific strengths, which you're going to uncover and work through as you're doing working through your mindset stuff. And then it's amplifying those strengths. If you're really good on camera, then get out on camera. But someone who's an introvert and hates being on camera and hates being seen and maybe has some fear of visibility and it wasn't safe, you know, when they were younger to be visible, right? they're going to freak out. They're never going to be able to go on video. And if they do, it's going to be so awkward and so weird and people are going to be repelled by it. So that's the thing. It's working with your strengths mm-hmm. and not just doing what one person tells you or, oh, this is the one size fits all process to success because there's no such thing right and you know you touched on three things there that that really resonate with me and and um i was a strength and conditioning coach uh you know had a a fitness gym and I compared that. I used the, the house analogy with the strong foundation when I was training the athletes was, you know what? They all wanted to lift those heavy weights. They see all the, the, the cool shit that they see on, you know, Instagram or wherever they're watching. And it's like, no, that's not going to serve you. Build that strong foundation. And, um, so it's just, it's funny how, you know, the same analogy can apply to different parts of, of our life. And when you talked about procra- procrastination, I, not so much anymore, but I, I still deal with it where I'm a perfectionist. And one thing I learned was that um, 
procrastination is a tool of the perfectionist because even though perfection is a good trait, it's just you're using, you know, oh, it's got to be perfect. Oh, you know what? It's not quite where I want to be. You're just procrastinating because maybe you just don't have that confidence to, to get out there and, and do it. And the, the other thing you, you touched on that I, I really resonate with is where you talked about, you know, if somebody's an introvert and they're, they're not used to being on camera and stuff like that, that, that was me. Um, you know, I grew up that way and, and I grew up that way because at a very young age, I developed psoriasis that covered 90% of my body. So I was very introverted. I was very guarded. I had big walls. Um, you know, I was a very considered a very cold person. Um, but it was just keeping myself guarded and I became very introverted. And it wasn't until, you know, my early forties where it, it cleared up and I could live life. Um, but coming out of that shell, my God, that was hard. Like they, you want to talk about mindset work, <laughs> you know, and, and it's still, there's even times, you know, I, I have no problem speaking. I have no problem, you know, you know, being in a room, but there's times when I walk into a room, I won't start a conversation because I still deal with that confidence issue. I'll carry on the conversation, but I'm not going to approach you and start it because, you know, maybe I feel like, eh, you know what, I, I just shouldn't be doing that. I'll let them come to me if they want to talk to me. Um, so like you said, we have to reprogram ourselves, right? That mindset is huge. I don't care what it is you're doing. Um, it can serve you or it can keep you locked in a room, um, you know, and you'll never, ever realize your potential. And, you know, that's sad, but but mindset work, it's just like anything else. It's new. We don't like new. We don't like change, right? Like you said, we want to stay in our comfort zone. <laughs> so let's do that. So we're talking about mindset. So tell me about, you know, the role our subconscious is playing uh, in creating our limited beliefs? Because I know, you know, you're, you're big on the subconscious stuff. Yeah. So our subconscious is the programs. The subconscious is the most important part of us. That is where we store everything. So you can think of it like your computer hard drive, all your memories, all your belief system, everything about you is stored in that subconscious. So literally every memory you ever have is stored there. And the thing is, is it's, we can't easily access the subconscious mind through conscious thinking. So even though there's all those memories are there, a lot of them we can't access, especially um, like you'll hear a lot in psychology where someone like represses a memory because it was so right. scary. Mm -hmm. And that's the mind's way of keeping us safe. It doesn't mean we've forgotten and it's not available to us. It's just tucked away in this tiny little room back in our subconscious to protect us. But though all those memories from the moment we're born to the moment we're in right now all work together in the subconscious to create our belief systems. And there's no logical rhyme or reason behind how they create our systems. And the way it actually works is about 50 to 60% of our programs are created by the age of about five or six. Wow. This, yeah. So about half of our programs in those first five to six years. The scary part is though, as a five and six year old, at that point, our brain has not developed rational thought, cause and effect thinking. And in the first 
three to four years, even up to five, our brains are like sponges. So if you see a little child, if, you know, daddy swears, next thing you know, the child saying that swear word over and over, because that's how children learn. Right. They literally absorb everything into their mind that they hear, that they touch, that they see. They literally just use their senses to absorb everything going on around them. So they could see something with their eyes or hear something, but they don't understand context or the reason behind it. So then they take that on as truth, Mm -hmm. even though it's not truth. So I've seen a lot of women who maybe were in abusive homes and mom and dad were fighting a lot. There was lots of yelling and screaming. Well, now these ladies in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even though they want these healthy, loving, happy relationships, they keep ending up in these relationships with fighting and yelling and screaming and arguing because as a child, they were programmed, this is love. This is mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy love each other. Mm -hmm. They're yelling and screaming. So that must be love. Even though consciously they know that's not, in the subconscious, that's the program their mind created. So that's the scary part. 50% of our programs in that really influential time in our life. And then by 18, we've got about 90 to 95% of our programs. So you can remember what your teen years are like. You said you had psoriasis. You kind of tucked yourself in you hid so by the time you're 18 19 and told you're an adult now go out and figure out who you want to be right we're already programmed we have like a small five percent left to decide who we want to be we've already got the rest of our programs so when you go out to be an adult you're programmed by your circumstances in those first 18 19 years of life And so that's how you become who you are. Even if you don't like who you are, it's hard to change it when you can't access those subconscious and understand why am I the way I am? Why do I have this bad habit? Why do I think this way about myself? Why do I have all these negative thoughts? Any negative thought that's popping in your mind is coming from something someone said to you at some point. So for me, quite often it was, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. And those types of phrases were always popping in my mind. But those are things I heard as a child from people who didn't really matter, but it was mean things that I believed. And then we repeat them to ourselves. So a lot of times that's one way to kind of understand our subconscious is listen to that negative voice. What is it saying to you? And then that's a belief system you've created based off of something someone else said to you. Right. And you said something there that, um, that I find very important. And that is we've, we've heard things from people that really don't matter. And yet, for some reason, we've tucked that away and it's affected us. And it has always amazed me that the power we give to other people, um, you know, regardless of um, through social media is especially very, very bad for this, that, you know, how many likes did I get? Oh, well, somebody said a, a negative comment or whatever. And we can dwell on that forever. And we've just given that power to somebody who a isn't even given it a second thought right but they have control over us and that has always I, I, i'm glad i'm not one of those people because you know i've always said and good or bad and, and it's probably part of the defensive system that i put up is i'm not the type who really gives a shit what anybody thinks about me 
Uh, and that's just honest to God truth. You know, there, there's very few people in, in my life, in my personal surroundings that would have that kind of effect on me. And I think that has served me well. Um, you know, maybe not the best way to go about it, but I guess, like you say, we find what works for us and it, it has to be decided whether that needs to change or not. Um, yeah. so. Uh, with your, you know, experiences in, you know, hypnotherapy and psychology, what kind of tools when, when you have, you know, a, a lady that you find that yeah is struggling, what kind of tools do you use? And, and I'm sure there's very, very many in your toolbox, but what's maybe some of the basic uh, stuff that people could start to understand that they can start to do possibly um, to help with that mindset? Yeah. So I always go back to hypnotherapy because it's the most powerful because the thing is, is with these belief systems being created in the subconscious, the best way to change them is by going into the subconscious. And there's not many ways of accessing that subconscious, but hypnotherapy is one of them. So by being able to literally go into the subconscious, not only can you change those programs, but you can actually understand what is going on. So we can literally go in and ask yourself, why are you procrastinating on this? Or why aren't you allowing yourself to be successful? Why aren't you, why are you afraid to get on camera? Why are you afraid to speak on a stage? And we literally just can ask your mind and your mind will give us an answer and say, um, and take us back to events from your past and say, see what happened when I was three years old. Oh, wow. It wasn't safe for me to be visible. See what happened here. And then it takes us to another scene. See again, this wasn't safe. And then, we go to a few different scenes so your mind can now see and you consciously can see because when you're in hypnosis, you're completely conscious, you're aware, it's an active process and you're walking me through these scenes. But at the same time, with your current conscious mind as an adult with rational thought, which most you didn't have probably in most of those instances, right. you can see, oh, I see why I created that belief. But I see why I don't have to keep that belief. I can see that that was stupid that I did that. I can see why, but I see I don't need it anymore, which takes the belief's power away. And then you can literally go in and rewrite a new story for yourself. You can say, hey, that's not me anymore. I'm not that little child anymore. I don't need to believe that anymore. That no longer keeps me safe anymore. I want to believe this instead. And then we literally tell your mind exactly what you want to believe instead. And because we're doing this all in the subconscious, your mind takes that right away and goes, okay, this is the new belief. Boom. We're inserting it. It's like inserting a new CD and a new program and saying, okay, here's the new program. Let's run this program. So your mind takes that new program and runs with it. So of course, hypnotherapy for me is the best way of doing it. Right. Right. Wow. And That's uh, sorry. I cut you off there. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. And then there's other ways of doing it too. Um, meditation can work because, um, meditation works for some, but not for others. Some people find it really hard to shut off their mind. They can't right. sit for long enough. But if over a period of time, you can potentially use something like meditation. Um, I enjoy um, cognitive behavioral therapy. That's really helpful. But again, none of these really dig deep into the subconscious. But over time, if you were to work at them over longer periods, eventually you could, along with other tools, work through these. But of course, hypnotherapy is is that quick, easy, get it done, get it over with. Because um, like I did therapy for years to try and clear my limiting beliefs and it worked and I had some relief, but it yeah. took years. 
And then the first time I experienced hypnotherapy, things I'd been working on for years literally were gone in an hour. Wow. Yeah. It's just that quick and that transformational. That's why after changing my entire life and uncovering all my own programs, I knew it's like, I have to do this for others. This is literally changed my life. It's so funny. I ran into a friend from college a couple of years ago and I hadn't seen him in like 15 years. And we went out for drinks and he looks at me, he goes, I never would have recognized you. You are not the person I remember. You're nowhere near the person I remember. If you would have said to me that you have a, your business, that you have a degree in psychology and that you're a clinical hypnotherapist, if you would have told me that 15 years ago, that that would be you. He said, yeah. I would have laughed and thought that was hilarious. Right. He said, you are not recognizable. And that's because all that negative stuff about me, all that insecurities, everything that I was back at 18, 19 is all gone because I was able to reprogram those things and remove them. Right. But no different than if you had asked yourself that same question 15 years ago or whatever it is, you know, you probably would have had the same answer. You wouldn't have believed that you'd be doing what you're doing if you hadn't have done what you did. (laughs) Right. So, um, so it's amazing though. Do you find that, um, when, when people come to you that, hypnotherapy is kind of a hard sell because uh, it does sound a little scary, right? Like, okay, we're, we're going into the depths of my mind and and you're going to get in there and, you know, put me under and, you know, tell me what you want me to believe. And um, do you find it a hard sell? Do people prefer to maybe start with the, the cognitive therapy or, you know, meditation and then ease into hypnotherapy? Some do. Um, I think once I dispel some of the myths, it, right. it really, once I explain to them how the process works, cause that's the biggest thing about hypnotherapy is there's not a lot of information, but right. there's a lot of disinformation. So most people's experience with hypnotherapy are things like those stage shows or right. entertainment yes. shows. And I was one of those people. I was involved in one of those. I got on the stage. I threw myself <laughs> into the fire in college and said, let's go. Right. But that's the thing is even those shows, people say, oh, they make you do stuff you don't want to. But the thing is with hypnosis, you cannot be hypnotized and no matter what cannot be made to do anything that you do not want to do. So even on those stage shows, I went up and I drug one of my girlfriends up and I said, if I'm going, you're going. And she was introverted, did not want to do it, but she went out with me. Well, they couldn't hypnotize her because she just was resistant to it. Whereas because me, I wanted to, I was open to it. And the same goes for clinical hypnotherapy. We are completely conscious during the process. You're an active participant. You know what's being said. You're the one telling us what you want to be putting in your mind. You're the one that's telling us, I don't want this belief anymore. And so it's just letting people know that it's a safe process because people are like, oh, well, what if... um you know what? I wake up and I don't remember anything you said. It's right. like, oh, you remember everything. You're an active participant. And once they understand that, most people are like, okay, I kind of understand this. Yeah. And I have, um, I call it my relaxation um, hypnosis. And what it is, is I just send it to my clients beforehand, before we ever do a one-on-one session. And it's literally, it, it's like a meditation. People go, oh, this is just like meditation, but it's a hypnosis. So we're getting them into hypnosis in a similar way as meditation. And we're just literally relaxing their body slowly and slowly. 
and then getting him to a nice relaxed state, telling him all these wonderful things and then bringing him back out again. We're not digging into stories. We're not digging up traumas. We're not doing anything like that. They just get that opportunity to experience that relaxed state, which right. is very similar to meditation because um, hypnotic state is the same state we're in when we're in REM sleep. So that eye okay. fluttering you get in the REM sleep, yep. that's caused by the brain waves that are going on. And it's the same thing in hypnosis. And we actually use that eye fluttering to help get you in the hypnotic state. So very similar brain waves. So it's really once people understand the science and the information behind it, or they've talked to someone who's done it and says, oh, it's amazing. This is great. You're going to love it. Then they're more open to it. And they're like, okay, maybe I will give it a try. And that's why something like my relaxation one, it's that ease into it of, okay, I'm just going to ease into something like simple like this. And if that feels really good, then maybe I'm more open to something else. But definitely there are people who have a lot of misconceptions on the whole aspect of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we grow up watching the TV show where they hold a watch, you know, and it's TikTok, TikTok and, and you're under, but, um, but I'll tell you, it's fascinating. Like I, it's not something I've ever really known much about. And it's something that, you know, I kind of wonder, maybe it's something I should do because, it always seems, you know, when I'm having conversations with people, they, they seem to remember so much of their childhood and, and, and stuff. And, and I think, okay, well, either A, I'm freaking older than I think I am and the memory is just gone. Or maybe there's parts from my past. My mother passed away when I was young. Um, it was just me and her. So there may be parts that I've blocked out, um, to protect myself and, and to, you know, keep that keep that safe space so um maybe i'm gonna have to come out to calgary and we'll we'll do a session (laughs) we'll we'll see see how i make out everything i do is virtual i have clients oh wow i have clients all over the world so we literally just get on zoom chat like this right as long as i can see my clients on you know the computer screen i literally have clients around the world this is something that you can do interactively it doesn't have to be done in person that's the wonderful thing about it i just have to kind of be able to see you and evaluate things otherwise yeah you get to do it from the comfort of your own home which to me is way better than going and sitting in someone's strange office i know it's like laying on a couch <laughs> yeah, when I used to see a therapist, I'm like in their room and going, okay, I'm not kind of comfortable. And then yeah. I've got a stepdaughter who's seeing psychologists right now, seeing one, and she sits on her bed with her laptop and she's chill. She's got her camera off. She's got her pillows propped up and she's right. just like, okay, I'm good. And I'm like, oh, I wish therapy was like that for me. Yeah, no shit. Well, and you know what? I got to think maybe that lends to people feeling maybe a little bit safer because they're in a safe place. Right. They're, they're in their home or wherever it is they're getting comfortable. Um, so I think that could lend to, yeah. Okay. You know what? I know I'm safe. Um, if, if something does go wrong in their mind. Right. So, um, it, it's fascinating. So the fact that you can do, yeah, we may be having a chat after this for sure. So, um, so, okay. Let, let's take a shift here for a little bit and. You had mentioned about other businesses you had, but I want to, I want to talk about your first business as, I think it was as a financial consultant for multi-million dollar companies. And you were successful in that, but you know, it, it led to, uh, burnout. And I want you to talk to, talk to us about that. 
Yeah. So I started my first business when I was in my mid twenties and I had this background in business with a major in finance and mm -hmm. my whole life, cause my family did have a small business when I was younger. So I would help my mom with the bookkeeping and doing the numbers. And I just was naturally good at it. Like when I went into college, it was just those classes came easy. I was tutoring friends. So I always had known my whole life I was meant to be an entrepreneur. And I got to a point in my life where I was sick of the corporate world and I was ready to start my own business. So of course, I'm really good at numbers. So this is, of course, what I should be doing. Right. So I started a business, started getting success right away, um, started meeting clients, getting paying clients, doing the work. And then it seemed like I hit this brick wall. It's like all of a sudden it's getting harder and it's getting harder and it's getting harder. And so I grew up in a family. I come from a farm family. So mm -hmm. hard work is drilled yeah. into you from a very young age. And yeah. I was always told um, success comes from hard work. Just work harder. Just work harder. So in my mind, I kept telling myself, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not working hard enough. Work more. Work harder. Do more. Just kept these things kept going on in my head. So I kept doing that, putting in more hours, putting in longer hours, putting in more effort to the point where I was working 50, 60 hour weeks sometimes. I remember there was, I was close to a deadline on this specific project for some clients and I was working 20 hour weeks. I was literally napping for an hour here, an hour there to get all this work done in time for this project. And I took on the project as a last minute thing, which I really shouldn't have, but in my mind, oh, it's money, it's work, do right. this. And I did this for about three years, pushing and pushing and pushing. And it seemed like I could only allow myself a certain amount of money. And it's what we now call a glass ceiling. So I got mm -hmm. to the amount of money I made in my corporate career, which, which was still a good living. It wasn't quite six figures, but it was still a good living at the time because this was over 15 years ago. And I would keep hitting that that level. And then I would do something to sabotage it, to not be able to push past. I wouldn't be able to get a client or something would happen and a client would move on. I'd get a new client, but I couldn't get more clients. So I just kept bumping up and get the same income level. And so even though I was working hard or doing all these things, it wasn't working. So after three years of pushing and pushing and pushing, the only thing I got was actual full-on burnout. I literally had been pushing my body so hard that my body couldn't keep up with any, me anymore. And back in the day, they didn't, back at that time, they didn't know about adrenal fatigue. They didn't know about burnout. Like this wasn't a topic at the time. A lot right. of people were starting to experience it at this time, but it wasn't a diagnosis. It wasn't something the doctors really knew about. So I was exhausted all the time. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I ended up in the hospital a couple times because I just couldn't function. My brain was just foggy all the time. And then one day, um, the pain in my body was getting so bad, I went for x-rays. And I remember standing against the wall because they were doing some x-rays on me. They're like, just stand there. Mm -hmm. So I'm standing there still going, okay. And then I started getting one of my dizzy spells. And these were like a regular occurrence. And all I could think to myself is don't, don't bother the people. This is almost done. Don't be a bother. Just close your eyes. It'll go away. Well, I closed my eyes and I passed out and I hit my head on the concrete floor, gave myself a concussion. <laughs> and that was my wake up call of what am I doing to myself? Like, I'm exhausted all the time. I'm miserable. My body hurts. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like garbage. I was just about 30 years old and I felt like I was 80. Like right. it was horrible. And it got me going, why am I doing to this to myself? I'm almost 30 years old and I am so miserable. Everything mm -hmm. about my life is miserable. My business, everything. And it was just to the point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like as much as I'm relatively successful and I have my own business. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And it really, 
that passing out in the hospital made me real reevaluate everything in my life. And it made me realize that because of my programs, where I was in my life was not where I wanted to be. Right. It's where everyone else wanted me to be. I had literally built my entire life around everybody else's wants and desires for mm-hmm. me to try and prove myself to them. And so all this work, all this effort, all these limiting beliefs were literally dragging me down and literally killing me because my body was literally shutting down. And I either had to, you know, I always say that if I had kept on that path, I might not be here today, or I had to do something drastic and I had to make those changes if I wanted to continue on, if I wanted to keep going and actually find real happiness and to do something that I actually brought joy to me. Right. And, you know, you talked about growing up in a farm family and that is the mentality, sun up to sun down, right? Because it's, it's basically survival. I mean, if the work doesn't get done, we don't eat sort of thing. And it like, it all comes back to those values that are instilled in us because, and this is something I learned too. And, you know, this is why I'm so grateful for what I'm doing because I have great guests on who teach me so much um, that it, it's amazing what I thought I knew. I don't know shit. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, we never stop and ask ourselves what's truly valuable to us because we've been programmed with our values from a very early age. Like you say, from our parents, from school, um, you know, we're told that there's, there's one right answer. Um, you know, and I'll tell you what it is, you know, you're wrong. I'm right. Sort of thing. Right. And that's just how we grew up. And, and yeah, you were faced with that, that, you got to do more. You got to do more. You got to do more. And um, at least you came to the point where you realize that you had that aha moment. It, you know, it's too bad it took the concrete floor to knock that into your head. But but I've heard that, you know, time and time again as well, where it seems to be it's almost a traumatic event that has to happen for you to realize, okay, enough is enough. I'm yeah. not happy. I'm not going down a path I want to go. You know, I'm going down a path that I thought I wanted to go because other people told me that that was the right way. So, um, so did you take a little bit of time off then? What did you do after that? Did you continue uh, on that path? Oh, everyone laughs when I say this, but I literally burnt my whole life to the ground at that point. It was just before my 30th birthday and I literally walked away from everything. I was in a very toxic marriage. I walked out of that. I shut down my business. I walked away from most of my friendships and I started from scratch. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to start over. Wow. And not to say that everything was rainbows and sunshine after that because it definitely wasn't. It was the motivation I needed to start me on the path because most of the time we need to be in so much pain to be able to take that first step. That's why we hit that brick wall. So that was my moment of being in enough pain that I had to leave. I had to start over. And so my first step was healing my body because it was so damaged because there was so much going on. So I started a journey of alternative health because at the time, the doctors just kept saying, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing we can do. So I started in the alternative world. And then the doctors started talking about, or the alternative therapists were talking about personal development, which I wasn't familiar with back then because, again, it wasn't really popular back in the day back then. It was just starting to come in. So my doctor, my um, naturopaths and all these people were talking about alternative healers. They're talking about personal development. They're talking about mindset. And so I'm like, okay, I'm willing to try anything. So 
I'd been working on that and I still was finding myself making those same mistakes, those same patterns, those same bad choices. And so one day I went to the bookstore because I love to read. Like I am a reader. I devour books. So I'm like, okay, there's got to be something. People keep talking about this personal development section at the bookstore. I'm, I got to go here. Right. So I headed into the bookstore and I'm looking through the personal development section and I'm like, just, I need something to help me. And for some reason I was drawn to one specific book and it was The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And that was my introduction to mindset and how our mind works and how we create these limiting beliefs and how we have these glass ceilings. And reading that book, it was just like I felt this validation all of a sudden as to what was going on in my life, why I had gotten myself to that point where I had to walk away to where everything had happened and why even though I'd consciously been trying to change things, why things still weren't getting better. So it gave me that insight into the subconscious and what was going on and then started me on the path of, okay, this is a subconscious problem. There's stuff going on here. Now, how do I heal it? So that's when I started hiring um, like mindset coaches, other coaches, personal development coaches, which still wasn't a big thing at the time. I started seeing alternative healers. Like I was willing to try anything. I tried right. Reiki. I tried all these different forms of energy healing. And then just a chance encounter one time, I found the hypnotherapy and I had my first session. And that just, at this point, I'd been working on myself for a couple of years and seeing some small shifts, but not anything huge. Mm -hmm. And then after that first hypnotherapy session, it was like, all those shifts I'd made in the past two or three years, I just made those and more in one session. And I was like, oh, it was just like this light bulb moment. I'm like, this is what's going to do it. This is what helps. It, like, this is where I'm going. So I started doing regular sessions and just digging deep into all that negative stuff that had been packing on and packing on. And as I'm unraveling this, life just started opening up to me. Opportunities started opening up. Um, great things started happening. Um, I fell in love with mindset. So I started learning about mindset myself. I started, um, took a course to become certified in clinical hypnotherapy, started doing all these trainings and then decided, oh, it's time for me. You know what? I, I know I'm meant to be an entrepreneur. I know I'm meant to start another business. So mm -hmm. let's start my first business. And this time it got to be easy. It got to be fun. I got to do things in a way that didn't feel like work and I didn't have to put in tons of effort to get the results. I didn't have to put in the hard work. I didn't have to put in lots of effort. It actually got to be easy and enjoyable. And I quickly built my business to six figures in a very short period of time because I had removed all that negative energy, all those limiting beliefs that were getting in my way so that it got to be, you know what? to work out for me. I got to get out of my own way because that's what our limiting beliefs do. They get in our way. Right. And I got out of my own way and I all was happy and I got to follow my dreams. And yeah, it was a process and it still is. Like, like I said, mindset is a, an ongoing thing. We're always going to be working on it and we can work on mindset in one aspect and how we do one thing is how we do everything I say. So when we do work on, say, in our business and our limiting beliefs around our business, it affects the other areas of our life. Mm -hmm. So for many years, my personal relationship still sucked. My business right. was thriving. I was doing wonderful. Right. But my personal relationship sucked. If I could meet a toxic man, I met him. <laughs> I dated him. I thought he was the greatest thing in the world. 
And so all of these things are connected. And it's funny because now I look back at even that and I go, oh, because I have the most amazing relationship now. I have the amazing partner. All these things come together, but it was one thing at a time. First, I had to work through this. Then I had to work through that. And it seemed like my relationship was one of the very last things that I was able to heal, but I'm still not healed. I, like I say, this is, I'm an, ever evolving thing. I am always improving. I'm always getting better. And I like that because it means there's always something for me to look forward to. There's always something for me to get excited about. It's like, ooh, I wonder if I could get better at that. Ooh, I wonder if I could do that. Like it creates this curiosity and this joy in your life of, ooh, I wonder what's next. Right. We're always a work in progress. At least we should be. Right. Yes. So, um, and, and you mentioned a couple of things there that, you know, I've heard before as well. Um, and one thing I've mentioned is one of the first steps you take took was you, you changed your environment. You have to dictate your environment before your environment dictates you. And you did that by throwing everything away. And you're not the first guest that I've had that, that has done that. And I've even done it myself. Um, where I just packed, you know, the best of my personal belongings in the back of a truck and I left a business behind and, and off I went, uh, you know, chasing the sunset, so to speak. But, um, and then gosh, I've, I've kind of lost the other thing. So I'll, I'll go, <laughs> I'll, I'll skip it for now. But, um, so you talked about you're making six figures. Or I'm assuming that we're talking about the six figure female entrepreneurs, the business you started. So let's talk about that. What, what are you doing with that? Yeah, so it started out in the mindset coaching realm. I did that um, clinical hypnotherapy, all of that together for about four to five years. And then in the last about year and a half or so now, I started incorporating business consulting as well because I was working with these amazing business owners and we were working through their limiting beliefs because of course they recognize that yes, I have these limiting beliefs. It's getting in the way of my business. I want success. So they were going in and they were doing the work, but they were still struggling in their business. So then they were sharing sharing with me what's, what they were learning and the, the tools they were being given. And I'm going, no wonder you, like, no wonder you can't be successful. Like, I mean, there's a lot of really great information on the internet, but there's also a lot of really bad information on the internet. <laughs> Absolutely. Nowadays, especially since COVID, because it seems like since COVID, everyone is an online expert in something. And so there's all these, you know, business coaches or business consultants or all these people. It's funny, I had a conversation with a, a fellow coach today about this and all these people with no business experience who have never built a business, never failed at a business. Because to me, I think you almost have to fail at something before you become an expert at it because you've been in the trenches, you've been through the tough stuff, plus you've also had the highs. Right. And when you go through that, you learn things. And one of the biggest things I was seeing, especially in the women's business world, it was this cookie cutter, one size fits all, follow my 10 step program and you're guaranteed to be successful. But these programs are custom designed for someone like that coach or that person who designed it, who has that similar type of personality or that similar type of thing, but it's not designed for people who are different. So I had all these amazing women taking these other programs and then we're still being not successful and going, it's me, I'm broken, there's something wrong with me. And I was getting so mad and so angry at this. And I'm like, you're not that person. You're you. You are a very unique individual in 
all of us need advice that's designed for us. Cause I can't say like, I know in the last year or two, it's reels, TikTok, be on video, do short form video. If you're not doing short form video, you're falling behind. Right. Well, for me, it's easy. I'm an extrovert, but I have a lot of clients who are introverts who that is like, literally they go into panic mode and they will shut down for days. If I tell them to do it a reel and they're yeah. like, no, what are you talking about? There's no way, but they could sit down and write um, article after article or blog post or all of those. They could sit down and bang 10, 20 of those out in a day if I asked them to. So it's working with people's strengths and helping them bring out their strengths in their business, not telling them to do something they're not good at. So it's really finding those mentors that are willing to take what you are good at and making it even better, helping you accentuate it. Cause even I hired a coach about three years ago to help me. And I'm like, this is who I am. I just want to be more bold. I want to be more visible. Mm-hmm. And I hired her, spent 10 grand to hire this coach for a six month program. The first thing she does is you need to dress more professional. You need to do your hair and makeup every day. Don't ever show up on camera looking like you do. Like you have to talk more professionally. You have to do this and literally started trying to change me. Right. And at first, some of those old limiting beliefs started coming back in saying, Oh, maybe she's right. Maybe, maybe I do need to. So I started doing that. Well, all of a sudden I lost followers. I started losing income is like it negatively affected my business. So then after about a month, six weeks of this, I'm like, Nope, can't do this. And I literally like fired her, said, Nope, went back to my old self. All of a sudden income just starts going up again because I was being my authentic self. Right. Yeah. And that's what people want. So it's about being the best version of you and your business, showcasing that best version of yourself, working with your strengths. And when you learn to do that, the strategy, the rest of it actually gets to be easy because it feels good. Right. And that's, um, I think that's one of the most important points you can take uh, away from um, this is you have to be you. You can't be somebody else, right? You can learn from somebody else. You can, you know, th- there's obviously logical ways to do things, but when it comes to your personality and the type of, you and I had the chat before we went on camera when, you know, we talked about, oh, is this going to be on video or not? And I said, well, yeah, I didn't let you know. And if you're the type of person who likes to be dressed up, sorry about your luck because here you are in a sweatshirt. And I mean, I wear this on every video, but uh, everybody's going to think, you know what? I need money. I need money. Send me money. This is the only shirt I have. But if, yeah, if you can't be yourself, right? Living a lie or even trying to put on a persona that's a job in itself. Like that is, you know, a full-time job and, and it's easier to tell the truth than to try and live the lies. So, um, being unique to yourself is, it's uh, refreshing because we're, yeah. we're not, we're not told that we can just, just be you, right? Just. Yeah. Just the right yourself. people, the right people will resonate with me. They're going to like right. that they get to learn from someone who, like, I live in yoga pants and sweatshirts in the right. winter and yoga pants and t-shirts in the summer. Yeah. And people who want that same lifestyle, they're going to love it. If they're the person who wants the private jet and the Louis Vuitton bag and the $500,000 sports car, they're not going to resonate with me because right. that's not me. I'm that chill, laid back, relaxed, country living kind of girl. I live out in the middle of nowhere. I have a place in the country. 
I have farm animals. I share my farm animals on my social media. <laughs> right. People resonate with that. Right. They're not going to resonate with me if they want the mansion in Malibu. And that's okay because I don't want those people in my world. I want right. the people who want to be like me, who like me for me, and who also want to live that similar lifestyle. And when you do that, those people are going to come to you. You're going to much more enjoy working people who are like you than others who aren't. And it just makes promoting your business and just showing up easier because you just show up as you, whoever you are in that moment. Some days my hair is done. Some days I wear my contacts and my hair is down and I have makeup on and I yeah. look way better. And some days I'm just like I am today. And most days I am like I am today. So right. you're seeing me in my everyday garb and that's okay. People, you either like it or you don't. And I'm okay with that. Right. And I think that's an important lesson too, where, um, you know, you have to find your tribe. Right. You're not going to be all things to everybody. You can't please everybody. And if that's what you're trying to do with your business, you're going to face that exact same thing you did back, you know, however long ago when you're just going to burn yourself out because you're trying to be everything for everybody. And, and that's just not going to happen. So uh, stop that. Right. If, if you're trying that with your business, just stop it. Just be you. OK, so that is the business. <laughs> biggest easiest way to fail in a business is trying to be everything to everybody you need right. to choose a small little piece of the market and say i help this person with this problem and right. when you do that people say oh if i get too niche if i get too small you know my pool of people but if you're talking to everybody you're talking to nobody because nobody is going to resonate whereas if right. you talk to a very small pool of people and you talk to them to their specific pain points and problems they're going to be like this person understands me they hear me they know me man i have to work with them and you're going to make way more money with that small little pool of people than you ever will trying to talk to everybody. Right. And that is important. Uh, you know, if nobody takes anything else out of this, you know, take that, find your tribe, be unique to yourself, be true to yourself. And you're on your path to success because that is, you know, you, you've just learned a lifetime of lessons right there. So, um, what is it that you like the most about being an entrepreneur? I mean, it's about time and financial freedom. That was always the key thing. Like watching my dad with his business when it was younger, he like a lot of times he was gone before I got up in the morning. He didn't get home till after I was in bed at night. And this would go on for months at a time. I mean, yes, we had a comfortable living. We made a decent amount of money, but he didn't have both. And I grew right. up and I was like, I want that nice, comfortable living but I don't want to have to work all the time for it. I want to actually be able to enjoy life. I was actually having this conversation too earlier. I don't want to wait till I'm 60 to enjoy life because by, if we wait till we're yes. 60, 65, 70, we're at an age where things start going wrong. We're not as mobile. We're not as active. Right. I want to enjoy my time, my money and my energy now when I have it and can really do the things I want to do. Like I want to do all the biggest zip lines around the world. I literally have a map with the five biggest zip lines, one on each continent. And my goal is to go to each one of those. I can't hey. do that when I'm 70 or I probably can. <laughs> you probably wanna, can, but I don't know if I would be up for that at that right. point. I want to do these things now in my life while I can enjoy them because we never know how long we have. So no. why wait yes. and potentially miss out when we can take that opportunity? So when you have a business that gives you time and financial freedom where you make good money, but you also have lots of time to enjoy it, 
you can go out and do those things now. Give yourself a nice life. Give your family a nice life and actually enjoy it before it's gone. Because again, you never know how long you're here. And, and you know, too many people, and this is just another way we're programmed, is they live for the weekend, Mm -hmm. right? I'm going to spend, you know, five days a week, you know, hating what I'm doing and, and scraping by and whatever, but Hey, thank God Friday. Right? Thank God for Friday. And, and, you know, I can say I'm fortunate in where my wife is the type of person who enjoys the simplest pleasures in life. Um, she'll drag me outside to look at the stars. It's like, Oh my God, they haven't changed since last night. But, but the fact that she can just enjoy the simplest things any time of the day, um, you know, we should all strive for that because like you say, life is too short and we don't know when, you know, the expiry date is, so to speak. Um, so yeah, enjoy it. Um, you know, make the most of it. Um, I, I did, you know, uh, um, an episode not too long ago where I talked about seasons. Instead of looking at the years you got in your life, look at them as seasons and, and you know, make the most of each season that we have, right? Because you only get four a year and you never know when they're, you know, going to end. So, um, so what, what do you find to be the biggest challenge with being an entrepreneur? Oh, um, I guess it's trying to figure it out. There's always something new. You're always having to grow and expand and build. So there's always something new coming in. Like when you first start your business, it's trying to figure out it all, all out. How do I get clients? How do I onboard them? How do I use social media? And then as you're growing, it's like, okay, now I've got all that figured out. Okay. Now hiring new team members and building systems into your place and, um, passive income and all these other things. So it's always those new things as you grow that you kind of have to learn or hire someone to take care of. So that's the thing that sometimes it's not always easy. Sometimes right. things are thrown at you and you're like, Oh, how do I do this? And it's a bit of a frustration for a while until you get it all sorted out. Then it's like mindset. You work on it, you figure it out. It's all good for a while until you bring in a new <laughs> system or a new process or a new person. So that's the only part of I find difficult because I I like to say now I like to be a lazy entrepreneur. I did it hard the hard way the first time. The so first I time. Do it right. Easy way this time. Right. And so to help, I'm really big on asking for help. So I'm that type of person if I'm struggling, okay. who can I hire to help me? Who can I hire to teach me? Because you can do it the hard way and I could struggle and work mm -hmm. through it and spend mm -hmm. all this extra time that I would rather be outside or doing something else with and try and figure it out or I can pay to hire somebody to either do it for me or show me how to quickly and easily do it and then figure it out and get on with it and have that free time again. So that's my big thing is I am all about getting the help when I need it and not afraid to ask for that help. And I think that's a big thing, a big learning thing for business owners. Absolutely. Is you're not meant to do it on your own. You're not innately know how to do these things as business owner unless you have an MBA or a business degree like I do. And even me as a business degree, a business degree does not teach you how to build a business or grow a business. It doesn't teach you all those things you need. Right. You still need somebody to show you how to do it. So I always say I'd rather spend the money and learn how to do it quickly and easily than spend years of my life trying to figure it out on my own and hope I do it the right way because that's what I did before and it didn't work. And right. if the second time around when I got the help, when I was shown the right way, 
that's why I picked it up. That's why I got success so quickly is because someone showed me exactly what I needed to do to be successful. Right. And, and you, you touched on two things there that I can absolutely agree with. And um, the first one is, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're a very proud um, breed, so to speak, where it can be tough to ask for help and, and admit, uh, yeah, okay, I, I don't know as much as I thought I did. Or, and I think it takes a few of those failures for us to realize, okay, I need to ask for help and, and swallow that pride because there's no place for pride, uh, you know, when you're trying to build a business. Uh, unfortunately, you know, if you want to be successful, know what you know know you know your strengths your weaknesses and surround yourself with the people who can help you um and, and that that is a big one right there and and um i, I know i said there was two but again i i get talking and that, that memory thing slips so uh so i'm gonna let it go from there so um listen i want to ask you a couple of fun questions before you know because i see uh you know we're, we're pushing on an hour here so um now, one question I always ask, and you already answered it, and maybe there's more in it, your bucket list. So you talked about zip lining. Is there anything else in your bucket list that you want to get accomplished before you hit 70? Because we know you can't do it then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a huge bucket list. It's um, But another big thing is uh, we do have an acreage night now, but we want to get a place um, farther out of the city. And I want more so I can have more animals because everyone laughs at this, but I literally have an addiction to buying farm animals. So. <laughs> I have a pet pig. She is the cutest thing ever. We have chickens, geese, horses, and there's literally, I have this quite a list of things that I want to procure this summer. So the goal is to move out, build, you know, build our own place, um, get some more fun farm animals. Uh, I want to travel the world more once kids are gone and out and we have more free time, which will be just in a couple of years. Right. I have so many places on my travel bucket list that I want to go to. And then otherwise, it's just going where my heart tells me to go. It's literally, what do I want to do today? Where do I want to go? What what sounds inspiring and happy to me? And those are the things I want to do. And that's how I want to live the rest of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. That Everybody should aspire for that. So um, if money was no object, what's one luxury item you would buy yourself? Ooh, a nicer boat. We have actually okay. a really nice fishing boat, but I would buy myself the top of the line, fastest, most luxurious fishing boat we could find. And yeah, the one I was looking at, I think it's like $250,000, something shit. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the price of a house. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a down payment depending where you are in the country. But um, yeah, wow, $250,000. Yeah, okay. That's uh, that's kind of, I'm looking at an RV and I think it's $250,000 maybe because um, that's part of my retirement plan. But uh, uh, just to pack everything up, get in an RV and just go where we want to go. So, um, yeah. And that's the thing is I want a toter home actually to tow this thing, to have right. a trailer with the, with the boat, with the side by side, with all our toys in it. And we can just live out of that. But the boat is a big one. Like we love boating. We literally live on the water in the summer. So getting a bigger, fancier one as much as ours is really nice. Right. It's, uh, you can always go bigger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you need some place too with, uh, you know, that toter home to bring your livestock with you. So, um, you can't leave them behind. Right. 
uh, yeah, they would stay at home. I just hire someone to take care of them. As yeah. much as I love them, I will be coming home to them. So right, right. Wait for me at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, Jen, you know what? It's been great having you on the show. Before we wrap up, is there anything that maybe I didn't ask you that, that you'd like to get across to, you know, the listeners about what you do or mindset or, you know, anything? The floor is yours. Um, just to remind people that all your dreams are possible. Anything that you can believe, you can make happen. But the biggest thing is believing in it and getting out of your own way. And once you do that, literally the sky's the limit. That's awesome. If they want to know more, if they want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So you can find all my links at the six figure female entrepreneur slash dot uh, com slash links or the six figure female entrepreneur on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram's my biggest one. I'm always on there. I love doing reels. So come over there and you can laugh at me and see <laughs> giggle with all my my fun I have and, and see your pet pig. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's on there all the time. She's That's... actually pregnant right now. So there'll be oh, wow. baby piggy videos and pictures very soon. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, Jen, I want to thank you for being on the show. I've learned a lot. Uh, you know, we've had some laughs. That's what I aim for here. Educate, inspire and, you know, maybe entertain a little bit. Um, and I think we've done that. So <clears throat> thank you for for joining us. I want to thank the legends for allowing myself and Jen into your world. I hope you got some education. I hope you got some inspiration out of this. I hope you learned a few things. Um, as always, you know what? I'm going to wrap it up with, with my golden nugget. And I always write these before the show um, because you can see how the memory works. But, you know, I think it ties in perfectly to a lot of the things Jen said. And uh, so I'm going to leave you with this thought. And you know, throughout my personal journey, I've had different businesses. Uh, some have been successful, you know, others not so much. Um, but when I look back, I realize that the ones I consider to be the most successful are the ones that brought me the most fulfillment. And to me, success is something, you know, outside yourself. It's measured by what you're able to do, what you're able to have. But fulfillment on the other hand, is something inside yourself. And it's measured by, you know, what you're giving your time to and how does that make you feel at the end of the day? Um, I'm sure you've heard it before, you know, that if you follow your passions, you'll, you'll never work a day in your life. And if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, you know, looking for a business idea, I do highly suggest looking at your passions and seeing if there is some sort of way you can monetize them. Um, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but you got to do that brainstorming. And you know what? Hey, feel free. Reach out to me. I, I don't mind, you know, using what little brain is left to help you brainstorm. But then you need to do the work. Um, but you're going to find that the external things you need to do every day to build the business will also help satisfy that internal need for fulfillment. And you're also going to find that that magic formula I've talked about at, uh, for dedication and consistency is going to be so much easier to maintain. So with that being said, legends, that's a wrap. If you haven't done so yet, I appreciate you hitting that subscribe button. I want to continue this journey with you. I'm having a lot of fun. I want to keep bringing the guests back to educate and inspire you to get out there and become that legend you know you're destined to be. Talk soon. 
Hey, everybody. I just wanted to thank you for joining us on today's episode. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you got some education. I hope you got some inspiration to help you on your way and your journey to becoming that entrepreneur you know you deserve to be. Now, listen, if there's anything you're struggling with, any questions you would like answered, any subject you would like us to cover, reach out to me. And if you're somebody who would like to be a guest on the show to share your knowledge, to share your inspiration, to help that next group of entrepreneurs get to where they want to be, I would love to have you on the show. Either way, you can reach out to me at podcast at realfuckingjob.com. That's podcast at R-E-A-L-F-U-K-I-N-G-J-O-B.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Truly appreciate you. Now go out there and start turning that dream into a reality.